Sutra 1.3. Peace of mind comes from cultivating an attitude of friendliness towards those who are happy, compassion for those who suffer, goodwill towards the virtuous, and indifference towards the non-virtuous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Mad podcast, hosted by Emmanuel Clauser and Jared Rowan. A space for you to transcend your yoga beyond your mat and into your life. Hello, guys. Happy February. Um, I'm here with Jared. Hey, guys. And we are just like 24 hours post-blizzard right now. <laughs> yes, we got like a, um, about a foot of snow, I think. It was crazy. Right? About a foot, you would say? Yeah, I snow. saw someone. I think it was Southern Jersey, but still put like a like a a yardstick, and it was 15 mm. inches. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so we have some beautiful, um, beautiful landscapes here with the snow. The ocean looks great. The yeah. trees are beautiful, but we are snowed in, kind of a little bit, right? So classes were canceled at the studios this weekend, and, and you did yours on Zoom this morning. Yes, so we did Zoom. We zoomed it up, and that's always a different experience uh for sure right? that because you're doing the whole class too which actually is way easier for us yeah we, we get to cue and do um anything new nothing no nothing like too new coming up um for me personally i know we have weekend our, our next ytt is it will actually be the weekend y'all hear this so we yeah have weekend four yeah, we weekend number four. four. That time has flown by, man. So we're actually it's it's coincidental that the kind of the pod today is on a, a sutra, which is going to be a focus of weekend four. Yes, it is. Um, but before we get into that, what about you? Anything new or coming up, or how you been? No, everything is good. Uh, I have a friend coming to visit, mm. and that will be fun. We have, you know me, I like a plan. I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> kind of have a plan for every day and i know that it might not go according to my plan which is fine but just in case we need it i do have a plan so that will be fun and with teacher training and our party and our party we are so um the theme for kind of the grouping of podcasts this month is love Love, and jared and i are hosting a self-love party um so that will have happen just like a few days before this podcast airs but we're kind of gearing up to it and doing all the prep work and decorating so it's been very fun to i love hosting yeah 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 you guys are taking more the more the front row but i'll be the pretty face yes yes you will (laughs) yes you will um but we we thought that february was such a good month to talk about the layers of love right that that it isn't just so cliche and if you uh, obviously you heard the intro Emmanuel read from the first book in the in the searchers and we know there's four books within the book if that's not confusing but there's it's divided into four mini books um so that first book in the yoga sutras um are pretty applicable things um less about asana and more about living the yoga yes um and the one that we selected was probably one of the most well-known sutras wouldn't you say like Yes. People have heard that one. And I think because people can relate to it or find 
that it's applicable, it's kind of easier to grasp. There are some sutras in the Yoga Sutras that are a little bit harder to understand or mm. comprehend. So this one is a pretty good one for people to wrap their mind around, right. I feel like. And although it is quite old, it was written a long time ago, it's still very much applicable in the world that we live in today. Whereas like levitating sometimes. <laughs> I know. If, if you find somebody that levitates, let me know. Like book four is, I think, all the magic powers that you, uh-huh. you know, quote unquote, get from yoga um but i think we should probably just like briefly before we head into it so the yoga sutras are is basically a book and it has um you know all these different i don't want to say like lessons but kind of lessons um i think they're called amorphisms like little like this is how you can navigate life and live a life more filled with peace following these these quote-unquote rules Right. right. And sutras are translated as threads. Mm-hmm. And if you use these threads, you weave a tapestry. And the tapestry is kind of the map to how you navigate life. Like, is that how you interpret the sutras? Yes. Or? Totally. Yeah. That's a very good imagery, I think, with the thread and the tapestry and how to kind of build your world around these these threads as kind of a guiding light to create something bigger yeah it makes me think of like um if you've heard of Brene Brown yeah pretty famous social worker actually um and she has like the 10 guideposts to living a wholehearted life yes it may it, it was it felt very familiar when I read that book and I can't place the book title but is it, it has, braving the wilderness it might be it gives you 10 guideposts and it's like this is how you live a life wholeheartedly yeah but very similar these are guideposts to offer you she, you know she just came out with a new book too I know and I want to read that it's about relationships it I is. think it's called the atlas of the heart yes sorry my little actually, French accent actually here. Dawn from the studio is reading it is she does she, she like she it she mentioned it she hasn't mentioned about it because we were reading mystery novels and then she's taking that one and I can't do nonfiction right now so yeah um but yes, so that's kind of what the sutras are. Um, 1.33 talks about, um, we, we did the interpretation of these are different layers of love. So we would thought we would kind of dissect each of the layers, the four different, how to deal with these four different types of individuals in your life. Um, and, and just talk about our experience. Um, sound like a plan. Yeah, that sounds great. So the first one is, Cultivating an attitude of friendliness towards those who are happy. Yes. Okay. So oh my gosh. <laughs> Why is speaking English so hard well, it is today? secondary to you. It you is. You do have an excuse. I, I stumble when it's my first language. Oh, my gosh. But I think when I read, it becomes a little harder. And I do have a book in my hand, so I'm reading from the book. Yeah. And then there's H's in there. Like, happy. <laughs> Forgive yes. me. Forgive me. Anyways. And, and the happy one, I mean, this is a really interesting one. So have you ever been around someone where you're like, and be honest, maybe like, oh, they're so happy. Yes. <laughs> like it's like seriously you can't be that happy like this is fake yes i'm like there's no way that you're like oh my god yes. i'm so happy all the time and that's about us i think yes. the fact that we're judging that happy person so i think it's like um and you can even see it in like the yoga room like the studio if people come in and they're in a good place like I am not an overly social person when I come into practice. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to like lay down. Do, some people really want to chat and want to do this and that. Um, but I shouldn't begrudge them for no. being in a good mood. Um, 
So I definitely, I personally have related to that. I think I've grown to try to view happy people as like, um, it's funny because the class I taught this morning was on, um, Confucius. Uh, he, he lays you out like three ways to, to get wisdom. And one of the ways it's through, I think, reflection, imitation and experience. And he talks about like, if you see someone living life happily, maybe you intimidate what they no, intimidate imitate how, what they're doing in their life. Like why reinvent the wheel, like still be yourself. So I try to look at it at a lens. Like if somebody is feeling really happy, maybe they're doing something right. Yeah. So I wonder, maybe I can be curious and be like, you know, how do you live your life? Like, what do you do? Like, instead of being a critic about it. Sure. And I think, there's also a difference between people who are really happy, like truly happy, and people that just think that they need to put up a front, like a happy front, yeah. but really deep down they are not. Mm-hmm. And as you navigate the world and practice being aware of others, it becomes a little bit easier to know the difference. Because know that there are those two types of happiness out there. There's, there's the one that's real, which I tend to find people are truly really happy they don't need to scream it from the rooftop it's just like an energy that's around them that's kind of like content and light yeah and typically the people that um the facade of happiness the right. other one is like in really in your face kind of and you can feel like of course you should be friendly mm. to both right it does we don't discriminate one or the other, but you can, if you're aware enough, kind of note a difference, I think. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, oh my gosh, totally. I think almost like happiness. I, I always in therapy, and this is like maybe heartbreaking to some people that are thinking about coming to see me, but I always tell people like I I unfortunately I you know, if you came to therapy to be happy, I'm not no. gonna be able to help you with that. Uh- <laughs> I'm, I'm like we're gonna we're gonna navigate all of the emotions of the of the rainbow. Um, you know we're gonna feel everything. But I think like happiness, like what you just said, it's almost more of like an an authentic contentment mm-hmm. than like an in your face like yelly, screamy cheerleader. But like cool if that's what you do too. But I feel like uh, what you know in the Yoga Sutras, what Patanjali is speaking to is more of the contentment. The person who's kind of going through life and, and embracing challenges. And I was like, going to say, because we know that life is going to be challenging. So the happy person is the person that has those challenges. I mean, at least to me, that's my interpretation of it, mm-hmm. but faces those challenges and feels the feelings and the emotions and just travels through right, life right. in a way that's not either super dramatic or crazy but pretty steady you know what i mean yeah i don't know yeah no i i agree with that and i think like friendliness in a term of like like love or how it's defined i think it is just greeting people with a sense of like kindness i think it's also been translated like be kind like you see someone who's in a good place say hello like and welcoming too that's a good yeah, hospitality, right? Because if you, yeah. if I think about how I am with my friends, I'm like, yes, come over. Please, I'd like to see you. Mm-hmm. So if someone is happy, it's kind of saying, bring them in, like bring them over and feel what it feels to have a happy person around you. Energy is contagious, right? Yeah. yeah. 
And it's like you said, maybe you're curious about how they got there and you can entertain a conversation if that's something that you're up to. And just having them around you, being friendly to them is going to, it's like you said, be contagious and maybe have an effect on you. Yeah. Um, Anything else to say with that one? I think that's kind of a good kind of... that's pretty good. With with the friendly... um, And I think it's probably the easiest one. I know. They get, I think... um, Actually, I think kind of harder as they go on. Yeah, I would say so. Because ego, I think, comes in to the last two. Um, But the second one was to show compassion to the suffering and that's yeah. a, the, compassion is a layer of love right yeah and i'm gonna show compassion to myself and turn to heat up oh, thank you oh my god it's so cold it's so in cold. here i was like wondering like oh my god it's 60 it's 60 okay we're in an ice box we're not in our our typical sound box we're, <laughs> we're cranking it we're in a different one here i know i'm cool i was like feeling it on my back and i have a bald head now so you know <laughs> Like There's that. a cowboy hat behind you. Oh my gosh, wouldn't be the first time. Um, but yeah, so we have the second one is compassion to the suffering, and boy, we could do a whole pod on that that one. But what do, what are your thoughts on that layer of love, that that compassion that we can give to people, or, or why that's a, a hard one to master? It's super hard to master because. I think that we have to practice compassion towards ourselves to be able to give mm. it to someone else. And that's really hard to do. Yeah. You made a really good point. I, it's almost like if you, you can't give it to yourself, how can you expect to give it to other people? Mm-hmm. If that's kind of the starting point, a lot of time we find it's quote unquote easier to be compassionate or caring for others. But it's not really authentic if we don't apply that to ourselves first. And so it's, it's harder to look in. I think it's really mm. much harder than to look out at others and being like, oh, I'm so compassionate for you. I want to help you. I'm right. so sorry. Right. I think what's not dangerous but might be kind of tricky there is that it can become a coping mechanism. What do you mean by that? Like if you just care for others and you're compassionate yes. for others and you can go too far along those lines – and forget to be happy, care for yourself. And as a society, when I look around, I do see a lot of that. I'm just going to care for Mm. everyone else. I mean, I've been watching Queer Eye and it's, that's something that comes back. I mean, almost every episode where they go to help a person and that person is nearly burnt out because they work too hard. They give back to the community. It's like all, so wonderful and I do cry when I watch Queer Eye. <laughs> it's really touching and people yes. do such great things but when they come in for the mm. weak transformation and all that when it's time to look at themselves right. they have such a hard time mm. doing it. And you know sometimes yeah I, I, I think that inward look is really hard and then I think what you, you just said about sometimes we overdo it like I think compassion is more of a feeling mm-hmm. you don't always have to do for others like you see others suffering and and maybe you hold space for them um, I think what tends to happen and I wanted to talk about the two extremes and in, in society is we have like one side of, of people that see suffering in people and are like well they need to figure it out I think that definitely happens in in America, like the pull yourself up by your bootstraps type of people. Yeah. And then you have the people that are like, 
crying and enmeshed in like, oh my God, there's so much pain. And yep. they're like, they can't get out of their own way because they're, they're suffering over the other person's suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you see that kind of those paths in our yes. society a little bit? I do. Yeah. Um, and I think they're challenging. And I think this is part of it. Like speaking to like, how can you cultivate compassion if you believe that, if you have this belief that everyone should figure their own way out of things? You can't really. That's not having compassion. Right. Right. And it's, it's systematically set up that they may not they have may the tools or resources to, to do it, to bring themselves out of the, out of the suffering. I think it's finding balance between the two extremes. We live in a world where it's, we want things to be either black or white. And this is kind of being in the gray area and understanding that someone might be working really, really hard, but still experiencing a lot of pain. Yes. And someone might be in a situation that you see as painful, but experience happiness or contentment because that's also right. relative. So when we look at others, um, I'm just thinking about a couple episodes back, you were talking about this little Indian lady who was selling chai tea. Yes, yes. To us, that's such a painful situation to she be had, in. She had like a tarp and yeah, but she was so... She was happy. Yes. So I can look at her and, and say, oh my gosh, that's terrible and I feel so sorry for her. But ultimately... She's okay. Have compassion for her circumstance. And, yeah. And also friendliness because she seems happy. Yeah. So you can navigate the both two of them. kind of together. Yeah. Um, and then just be careful. Like, that. The, I think what you just said, people, we need gray in life. Like, people do need to do some things on their own, but they also need some people to pick them up too. And, hold, mm-hmm. and I think you mentioned last week or the week before about being held yeah, and how that was really hard for you. But that's like part of the process of having compassion too is, is giving that space to hold someone. Yeah. And to like, you know, again, it can be literally doing something for someone that is suffering, whether it's, you know, volunteering, donating, saying, how are you? Um, or it can just be feeling and sending energy yeah. to the suffering. Um, and then it's a fine line like you. I know when I was in India, and I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the pod, but when I came back, I had this like, this is so interesting, but I used to be like, feel so sorry for roadkill. Isn't that like... Did I, you cry? I, I used to like get really upset. I remember going to college in anatomy class. I was 19 years, 18 years old, and I ran over like a hawk on the freeway. Oh, no. And I, it wouldn't, I mean, there were cars everywhere. They wouldn't yeah. move. And I sobbed, called my mom. I was like, I can't believe I just did this and blah, blah, blah. And I think that I was way wrapped up in the suffering rather than have compassion for this animal that it lived its life to this point. And while I was in India, they taught us about karma and dharma, and I won't get into, like, in depth, but essentially, like, that was the end point for that animal. Like, you know, life has a way of working out how it works out. Yeah. Like, honor the space that, that up until that point. So I had compassion in hindsight, not at 19 year old Jared, but obviously I still remember that moment. Yeah. And I try when something like that happens or I see that, that road going, I know people can relate to that. Like, I'm like, okay, that was just that deer's journey. Like, you know, or, tell me about oh a deer, gosh. deer. Oh my God. Well, we've both had experiences, but yeah, you've had some deer. I have some 2021 was the year of the deer. deer. <laughs> oh geez. I hit two deer within right. a span of six weeks. Oh my goodness. 
Or they hit you. They hit me. Right. <laughs> In case you didn't know this, you have to tell your insurance company that the deer hit you, not that you hit the deer. Oh it makes a God. big difference. Yeah. But it just was so traumatizing. So it wrapped you up a little bit. And oh, like, yeah. The compassion was like, <gasps> oh, yeah. Like, it's just so, t- I felt so terrible. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, okay, you also messed up my car. <laughs> <laughs> And you're, you know, that, so I think that's those polar extremes of compassion is like, you know, you want to balance both and be able to, to feel because we are human and we have emotions. So like give that to someone, but then also don't give too much much. where you're swept away. I always say in emotions. Yeah. Yeah. The next one is goodwill towards the virtuous. And I translate that into delight, too. Delight. That's, a, I think, a better way of, like, the de- delight in, in the virtuous. And for virtuous, it means, like, smart people, right? Like, people or who... People are, like, good at whatever good. they do. do. Because, or, like, I don't know, Taylor Swift, Jared. Like, she's great. <laughs> she's virtuous at right. what she does, you know? Like, people that ha- that are gifted. But the hater's gonna hate. Yeah. And that's what where, where the ego, this one, is, is really hard sometimes. And I know I've been there. Oh, for where sure. I've been jealous of what I, someone else does really well. Um, I think it's very common. So this is beyond the mat. The yoga yeah. sutras are a very yoga-related concept. Mm-hmm. They were – I'm just kind of backtracking it, yeah. but written yeah. by Patanjali. Mm-hmm. And from that emerged a whole kind of way of living, the eight limbs of yoga, and so on and so forth. So this is really, really connected to the yoga, although we're not – talking specifically about yoga asana, but as a yoga teacher and a female in the yoga world, I do think that there's an incredible level of competition Mm. instead of delight. When you see someone doing something better than you do, you kind of feel threatened or envious instead of being delighted and wanting to again i think get closer to that person and seeing like how they got to be so good at what they're doing um and that's a really good like introspective moment like i I have been there a little less there now and we can all thank social media for showing us and i will say i used to be the person and i rarely do this now but when i first started like taking pictures of people in the yoga room like when you had a really full class and it is nice, but why? You know, there's like, no like there's actually no reason for, for me to have done that. So I very rarely um, do it now because it's, I, I felt like it was more of like, ah, like, look what I'm doing. Like, look how many people are here yeah. to take my class. I'm so great. But obviously I needed to be validated externally, right? At that time. And maybe I was comparing to other people on social media, what this yoga teacher is doing locally and what this one's doing. And it's like, if you're upset by someone else's success, you should really look inward. Oh, for sure. Because when you see people doing good things, you should be glad that there are good people doing good things. Mm -hmm. And you should actually support them in some way and be curious, like, what are you doing? Like, like imitation, we talked about that quote, is like, why reinvent the wheel? Like, learn from their experience. Um, and I can relate it to, like, even in, like, the small community I've had um, here, you know, I don't have tons and tons of, like, yoga teachers, like, like older yoga teachers or more experienced in my classes a whole lot. Um, like, you're very supportive. Like, I would say yeah. that's, like, a really good connection and valuable 
friendship that I've made um, is seeing them come out and support you. Yeah. With other teachers and trying to support teachers in their endeavors. Because we know it's hard. Like, it, I'm a yoga teacher. I know how hard you have to work to get to do mm. the things that you're doing and, like, go out on your own. And, like, right. so why not support? Like, if I were to go out on my own, I sure hope that you would come to my class. Yes. You know what I mean? Or yeah. things like that. And so think about that. Like, if you were someone that is, because some of you definitely are, um, virtuous at something, right. how would you like to be supported by your peers? Then mm. give them that as well when you encounter that, that person. Right. Because I think when we don't do that, like that layer, that delight, that, that feeling of, hmm, like what are they doing? Um, I think we can become jealous. Mm-hmm. We can become unhappy, maybe even resentful of what we don't have. We live Because in- you compare yourself and you're like, this person has this and I do not. And this person... And then it just becomes such a, like a deep spiral Yeah. of like, rather than what do I have? I think you and I have talked about this a lot. It's like, what do I have and what do I want to share? Yeah. Like there is so much, but what can I really gravitate towards that is, is both received well, but then authentic to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think definitely I find delight in people that do good things i'm like it was that's the one that i've had the biggest transformation with that was something that was hard for me to do and now i'm like delighted by everyone i would say i never feel like jealousy or threatened Mm. and i think it's coming from having a mindset of like there's plenty instead of like having a mindset of scarcity where i like need to work out hard i'm sorry to get my piece of the pie no, there's plenty for everyone. Right. There's plenty to go around because this person is successful doesn't mean that I can't be. Right. It just means, great, this person's doing amazing work. I should definitely support them. And if more people are coming to yoga, and that's the bottom line, like, cool. Amazing. More people are practicing. Yeah. So it's like whatever that shtick or that thing that a studio may be doing or a person may be doing, like, be grateful that you're seeing full rooms. Because I think Seriously. that, I think that's, that's cool. Yeah. I look at it and I'm like, ah, oh, cool. Yes. Like maybe I won't, don't completely agree with the philosophy of a space, but I can still honor like there are people that are moving their bodies and being kind and connecting and all of that. And that's where it starts because ultimately after that, it's a personal journey. So you just have to have an entry point. If you have a studio or person mm-hmm. that can gather dozens of people and give them an entry point into the world of yoga. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And the last one oh is... My. This um, is the hard one. <laughs> indifference towards the non-virtuous. And you call it... Uh, equanimity. Equanimity. You know, you know that word, right? Yeah. I think you used, you had a breath class, and it was the breath of... Equanimous uh, breath? Yeah. Or it was... Didn't we do yeah. that? Equanimity breath practice. Yes. That was for the new year. Yeah. I like that better than indifference, because I think indifference has a negative, like... It's kind of like whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think you defined uh, equanimity really well. Am I saying it right? Yeah, equanimity. Okay. Yeah. Um, you said it's almost like being at the eye of the tornado, but not being swept. Didn't you say that yeah. metaphor once? Um, but not being swept up in the tornado. So it's like being able to stand and observe. And it's like, um, how did they la- label it? Non-virtuous or non-virtuous? Wicked is sometimes how. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's translated. So it's like more difficult people, right? Yeah. Um, 
why don't you you talk a little bit about that one first? Maybe like so so trying to cultivate why that is so challenging for people. I think when we encounter someone that presents difficulties, we experience emotions, mm-hmm. and we have to have that balance between like, okay, I'm going to feel my feelings. I'm going to be in my, I'm not going to try to bypass Mm -hmm. or pretend like they're not there, but I'm also not going to get wrapped up in them. Mm -hmm. And I think what tends to happen is when a difficult person or a difficult situation comes up, Mm -hmm. we get very emotional. We get attached to those emotions and we react in an emotional way. And then it creates kind of this, tornado of emotion that we can't really get out of and it gets like a little sticky yes so it's a way of catching yourself and saying let's just say um jared this x y and z i feel Mm -hmm. this is a difficult situation for me i feel sad Mm -hmm. and a lot of time i think something that my mom has said to me a lot a lot of time anger is deep sadness oh my 100 i tell people that in therapy all the time i'm like you're not angry you're hurt you're hurt it's like you're sad you're hurt and it's just Mm -hmm. like and so feeling feeling the sadness and being like okay i am hurt but not answering from that place and saying these are my feelings this is my reaction to something that just happened and kind of saying things just are Things just are. And we deem them good or bad. We do that. But things just simply are. They are. And you know what? There are very rarely wicked people in the world. So I think that's a good thing to point out there. Our behaviors that aren't necessarily good or there are choices that aren't quote unquote good, but very rarely are they're bad people. So I think that's a good thing to also reframe is like they may make a choice or a behavior that you don't agree with, or they may treat you a certain way and definitely set a boundary and communicate, but know that they're probably coming from a perspective that is unique to them mm-hmm. and, and seen through their frame of reference so allow them to have that, but you can also stand up for yourself in an appropriate way. Um, but I know I've had conflictual interactions over my life as an adult, and I have been in a few where I really like cultivated equanimity. Like I remember the one I spoke about with with the boss that I had. Yeah, where I was pretty much like verbally, you know, told off and and insulted. I didn't become emotional. I like held space. I like that was equanimity to me. Like it was, it felt kind of wicked what, what was going on, but I just kind of, I didn't get swept up in the storm and I didn't start like, you're this. And you're that. Like I really try when I have a difficult conversation with someone to never insult. Oh, absolutely. And I think part of this is like being in the moment enough so that you can know, Oh, this is difficult. I am currently in something that is triggering to me. Yes. And I have, we always have a choice. I can choose how Mm. I react. This is really our only freedom is how we react to things. I commonly tell people like, you know, certain at a certain age, you know, if let's say they have problems with their, their parent who's older, I'm like, probably they're not going to change. So our job is to navigate around what we know is consistent, which is them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a big eye opener for therapy sometimes is like, 
people are a little disappointed that their partner or the person may not change because that would be the easier option, right? Like, I don't want to, like, navigate around my mother or father that's, like, difficult. But you probably, that's going to be the more accessible thing for you to do. And it's powerful. It's empowering. Yeah. I think that's similar to, like, people that you may have, like, the non-virtuous people in your life, like, navigate around them a bit. Like, rather than, like, figuring out how do I meet their their resistance with resistance. Yeah. And let their behavior or actions not affect you or change your state. Right. Right. And know that you, like, you can love yourself enough to leave. Like, there's a really good, I know we bring back Taylor Swift. There's a really good song, though, on, I think, Evermore, When It's Time to Go. It is really interesting. It's like... When it's time to go, sometimes go. Go. The bravest yeah. thing you can do is walk away. So know that if you have someone in your life that is non-virtuous or you're having repeatedly wicked interactions that just don't change, you can love yourself enough to walk away sometimes mm-hmm. in a calculated, thoughtful way. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that about covers yeah. it. Thank you for sticking with us. And we hope that that kind of transpired as different ways of showing love to the different kinds of people that will be in your life because mm-hmm. we will all experience these four categories of people and sometimes we think of love as like a deep friendship or almost like infatuation or romantic love but it is not j- it is that but it is not just that there are different depths layers yeah to it And these are four interesting ones that hopefully over the course of, I don't know, the next week or the next month, you're a little bit more aware of them. And when you have people that come through your day, you say, oh my gosh, here's a happy person. Here's a super virtuous person. Here's someone that I have a little bit of a harder time with and see how you react and if you can implement a change towards that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So good luck with that, guys. Yeah, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.